Hello, ladies. The Big Balboski here. And right now, you're listening to the Matt Madness Podcast. They talking all of this madness. Talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, they talking all of Hello this everybody and welcome back to the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Ron Pashery, and with me this week is my good friend, Mr. Wednesday Night Live. We call him Alo, the ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. Um, two-man power trip again this week. Uh, we should have Mr. Sexy Punakana, then now forever, CK and Joe Rodermill rejoining us next week. Um, so have not had a chance to watch literally anything this week. I've seen a couple little things. I saw the, uh, Firefly Funhouse they did this week. I saw the Cody promo and I saw the Jericho vignette that they did on AEW. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) The three things. Soul Train Jones. Yeah. The three things that I saw. (laughs) Um, and that's it. Uh, and then of course, what I think ultimately, I kind of hate to say it, but what I guess is probably the biggest story in wrestling right now is the NXT invasion angle. Uh, I would assume that that is probably the thing that people are most invested in at this point. It seems like it's gotten a pretty good reaction. Um, Subscribe on iTunes, though. Please leave a five-star rating and review. As we seem to always start out, or I seem to always start out, just going over some of the numbers. SmackDown back up to 2.54 million viewers for the week. Uh, AE will Raw, 2.14 million. Fourth worst non-holiday episode in history. Finishing slightly better than the third worst episode the week before. So Raw still struggling in the ratings. And then on Wednesday night, we had AEW with 822,000 viewers and NXT with 813,000 viewers. Almost a tie, the closest it's been since both shows have aired on the same night. So I guess the first thing we'll start off with is the NXT invasion angle. Seems to me that more than anything, it probably helped NXT. Uh, would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. No and do you, do you think that is actually the plan or do you think it just happened to work out that way? Well, I think it's the plan because, one, they kind of fell into this because of what happened with the whole Saudi thing. I'm sure you have comments on that. Mm. But that goes that goes hand in hand with, with it. And the hype from SmackDown led over to Raw and then the hype from Raw led over to NXT because it's like who's going to show up in NXT because for the most part – you were going to get a top name or top names in NXT for probably the first time or for the first time in a long time. So it it built, it did build up interest. So it did, I think it did all come together very well. And one more thing, um, we kind of, I, I think I talked about last week, we talked about the, 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 um, the low SmackDown rating from last Friday. Well, two, two Fridays ago. Yeah. When it was on FS1, right? Yeah. So I think we really underestimated the world series. Because I did some digging and game through the World Series that aired on Fox at night, it got an 11.74 million rating, and the next closest in second place was Hawaii 550 with 6.5 million. 
So there's more people watching the World Series than we figure. So as much as I know you don't want to side with WWE with their thinking process yeah. about, well, the World Series was on, it's that one's valid. Yeah, I mean, clearly their rating tripled. I mean, their viewership tripled from last week to this week. Uh, but even still, like 2.54 million on Fox is not anything to brag about. I mean, it's basically, you know, they've lost what 40 percent of their viewership from the first yeah. week. Still, yeah, it's, it's still it's still just about close to fifty percent well, of your viewers. Yeah, it's it's not uh, it's not good for them. And like I said, Raw still only getting 2.14 million. Not great. And so the NXT thing, while I like I personally could not care any less. Like there's nothing about the NXT invasion. Now look, I love Bianca Belair, as I've said on this show many times. I love the Velveteen Dream, as I've said many times. I was I believe I was one of the very first like uh vocal supporters of the Velveteen Dream when he started. Like I was immediately latched onto it, like I think this is gonna be good because I really liked Patrick Clark and I love Matt Riddle which I've said many times on this outside of that like I don't I don't care like I'm not and now some of this is probably my feelings on NXT are just so much different now than they were three years ago like you have Triple H like leading the charge so to speak right like that's kind of the way they are portraying it he's like spearheading this whole thing like, I don't look at this as, like, something Triple H built anymore. Like, Triple H didn't make Adam Cole Adam Cole. Triple H didn't make uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, like, and those guys what they are. They just happen to be in NXT. Like, the people who love them loved them before they were ever in NXT. To me, I don't look at this as this thing that's like Triple H's baby anymore or Triple H's vision. It's just a bunch of guys who became successful elsewhere and are now part of NXT. I don't happen to be particularly a fan of most of these guys. None of them generate any interest for me personally. And I, I feel like the NXT invasion angle probably would have been better when it felt like it was what it was three years ago where NXT felt like its own thing. I, I may not even be describing this properly, and I know Prep and Eck would probably have some some feelings to argue with me about this. But, like, do you feel like it's a little weird for these guys to be who Triple H is storming WWE with? Um, I see your point. But I, I don't have a problem with it at all. Because one, like, are they, like, for example, I know uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fair said knocking on a forty, if not forty years old already. So they're already made guys. Every, like, that's been every, all those guys are made guys for the most part. You do have a lot of the talent, like Velveteen Dream, uh, Pete Dunn, um, the Wintai Women's Division, that are basically home, almost homegrown talent for the most part, despite their works working on um, the uk for the most part but i don't have i don't have a problem with it at all but your point is that i understand is you you think that the nxt that you fell in love with is way better than this nxt that is is happening now i do and i yeah, yeah and i agree with you but that but i prefer that nxt from 2015 but 
even though we we haven't really covered NXT that much on this show, I do, I do feel that NXT has grown and a lot of these guys have become bigger deals and the brand has the brand itself has grown and the roster is deeper and has a lot of big name players than what it had before. Yeah, and see that I guess this is where like I so something that Prep and Andre talk about almost any time my name has come up on your boy Elroy is that I quote unquote hate the Diaz brothers. Like that is always what is said. You do? I don't. So I'm not a fan of the Diaz brothers and I respect the Diaz. I actually wanted to ask Prep to come on the podcast this week because I wanted to talk about the Nate Diaz, Jorge Masvidal fight and I wanted to talk about my feelings about Nate Diaz and the Diaz brothers. But my thing was both of these guys talk about themselves like they are all-time greats. And it's like they're both really good, but they're not great. They're not like among like the greatest fighters of all time. Um, so I respect them. I think they're tough guys. I think most of their fights are fun to watch. Uh, so I, I want to like not come across unclear because like I feel like that is something I have not communicated perfectly clearly. So this is something I want to communi- communicate clearly. That I'm not saying, like, these guys aren't good. And I'm not saying, like, people don't like these guys. Clearly, they have a following, they have a fan base. And clearly, you know, Adam Cole and all of these guys have brought viewers who liked them before they were in NXT with them. And I think those people still love those guys and love what they're doing in NXT and are probably very excited about NXT getting integrated with the main roster. A lot of people probably think this is, like, really cool to see. My feeling is just that, like, I'm not particularly a fan of these guys. They don't necessarily do it for me. So while I can see the attention that they get and I understand the praise they get from a lot of people... It's just not something that appeals to me. And, like, them invading, I I would have loved to have been like, ooh, when I saw it on Twitter, I should turn on Raw right now. Or I should turn on SmackDown or whatever. And I just never had that feeling. Because to me, it, it, it feels like this is basically just like Ring of Honor invading WWE. And I think also the fact that it's, like, tied into Survivor Series. So it's like, okay, they told us a couple weeks ago that NXT was going to get involved in Survivor Series, and this is just a part of that. It doesn't feel like a bigger storyline to me than we have to get get this in time for Survivor Series. Because we had, we've had Raw and SmackDown invade each other the last couple years. That's become like Hell in a Cell where you just know, okay, we're going to get this at this time of year. Now they're just doing it with NXT, and it doesn't feel like a big deal to me. It just feels like, okay, we need to... Just, like, shuffle these guys in for this pay-per-view. It doesn't feel like as big of a storyline as I would like something like this to be. Do you think this is something we see after Survivor Series? Or do you think this is just about Survivor Series? Um, I think this is kind of just about Survivor Series for the most part. Uh, I remember a while back, I think it was Laugh. It was either you or Laugh who made the recommendation that somebody whoever wins gets something like i could have sworn that somebody talked about stealing people from each other's show or something like that i don't remember who said it but something like that something to make it worth it and something to kind of raise the stakes a little bit but i do find it odd that 
all these matches for the most part, especially for the champions, will are, are, are all going to end up being triple threat matches. Now, granted, I am all in for the triple threat matches that we're probably going to get now. I'm not sure if Nakamura, because I actually had to look up who the IC champion was, because I never <laughs> see Nakamura anymore. So I, I'm so as of now, you have to assume it's going to be like Nakamura versus AJ versus Roddy for the mid card with the mid card mid mid card titles of the IC North American and US and the women's match I'm looking I'm all in for Shayna Baszler Becky Lynch and Rebellious Bailey just I don't know if you hmm. saw the stare down I'm not sure if you saw the stare down between Becky and Shayna but I thought that was awesome in that backstage sit down interview I thought it was fantastic uh I'm not sure what you want to do with the fiend. Now, see the, the thing. I'm, we'll talk about that. I'm sure we'll get to the fiend in a little bit anyway. And um, the tag match, it's, it'll be whatever. But as long as you let these guys go, I'm fine with it. But the true third matches, they give me some intrigue. But like I said, like I said, it's not really. It's really like they talk about brand supremacy, but every year they they end up to a slave to the schedule because they're doing this. I do prefer them doing this than what they would do before. Because it adds some entry, because it actually brand versus brand, and you probably and it adds like to some compelling matchups that you never really see. But it's whatever at this point. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess where I'm at is they almost have to start producing a whole different type of show to get me to even think about caring. Uh, and th- again, it, this is just they're not doing something really different. It's just new people you know, getting put on TV and we don't, to me, that does not, it doesn't signify like a change in WWE. It, it's just something to, to set up this pay-per-view. Yeah. I like, I really, I wished that I had been excited about it when I saw that, that it happened and I just wasn't, were, were you personally excited by them doing this? Did this uh, well, make yeah. you more interested in, in seeing raw and SmackDown and maybe even watching, NXT this week. It did because I actually watched SmackDown by accident because Angel had actually went out. <laughs> so I was I was because I was I had a long day at work. I was be Angel had went out. She had went out to see some family and uh, nothing was on. I was watching Friends on Netflix, of course, and I was like, you know, mm-hmm. let me see what's happening on SmackDown. And I I just happened to see all these NXT guys. The only reason I turned on SmackDown for the most part was because I was going, I was interested to see what's going to happen with the whole Saudi Arabia deal. Everybody being most talent being left left behind there, and I thought that might have been the best SmackDown in maybe two or three years. And I'm, if you haven't seen it, I, re- I highly recommend it. Adam Cole versus Brian for the NXT title. I thought it was fantastic. They got an enormous amount of time. They even created <clears throat> they even created a bit of a story backstage with Daniel Bryan, kind of like. Going no face to face with Triple H, yeah, I did laugh at that because I thought to myself, mm. like, okay, it's almost Triple H WrestleMania season. It's November. We got to <laughs> that up for a little bit. <laughs> but they actually like did a great job of like investing you in that match. Um, I, did you see the women, um, Rhea Ripley and Tiga Knox take out Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville and Bianca Belair backstage? So they, like, like they, they 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 did a lot on one episode of SmackDown for something that kind of just looked. That was supposedly just thrown together. So that led to me. I didn't watch Raw Live in in NXT on Wednesdays with AEW. I just flipped back and forth. But NXT, they're doing a good job of focusing on war takeover, war games, and Survivor Series at the same time. So what I wonder is: Is WWE 
do they have the foresight? Are they playing chess instead of checkers? And are there is there end goal here to not really like maybe they don't really want to change up what they do on Raw and don't want to change up what they do on SmackDown. Is their main goal they see like the viewership kind of dwindling down a little bit for AEW and it probably is going to settle in right around that 800 to 900,000 viewers a week area. Do we think that maybe they they have that type of strategic thought that it's like if we can just do something to boost NXT a little bit, we can start just beating them on Wednesday night and take away whatever luster they have left. Um because this clearly yes like is is this really more about nxt trying to topple aew than wwe as a whole i kind of think it goes both ways because i'm i'm not sure if you saw this also that but finn balor he gave uh aj styles the the bullet hands the gun hands to nxt basically okay yeah so the OC showed up on NXT during the six-man tag. Balor came out and attacked Ciampa. And then him and AJ did, um, AJ was in the ring, did a two-sweet. Balor did the gun pose. And then Adam Cole took out AJ Styles. So what they're doing is, like, when it goes to that Wednesday nights, that hardcore fan night, you could actually say, they're trying to, like, tease, like, the New Japan stuff cause, with, with Balor with with uh, Anderson and Gallows and AJ, and then you, you still got Adam Cole and the Undisputed Era. So Finn Balor, he he's like one of their keys on Wednesday night because it's intriguing because he's not really saying much, and people actually want to see what's next. And they did a good job this week of saying, okay, now I gotta watch NXT next week. It's just the fact that now Survivor Series is around. It's like okay, we could bounce these guys around for the first time ever and make a big deal about it, and we can level up these ratings with AEW where it's actually even though the, the ratings have they've been NAC's loss you know but I don't really think it's been like like a significant loss even though they even though the um, their spots in the ratings are like really separate really like well separated but I think it's easy to get back to what AEW is at least doing and I, that's what I think they're trying to aim for here and I think the right thing to do is to shine NXT up a Survivor Series and actually have them win the entire Survivor Series so you can actually get people more invested and more people people actually want to care about it. And then that can also boost that a, uh, the NXT rating for Wednesday nights over AEW. So while I have been talking almost exclusively about my lack of interest in it and why I don't care about it, the one thing I, th- I think I have to suck it up and give WWE credit for. I said on this show, I think three or four weeks ago, that I think WWE needs to realize they are never going to be a mainstream TV show again. They're never going to be getting 6 million viewers a week. They're never going to have everyone paying attention to what they're doing. They have a niche audience. And they maybe should start treating it like they have a niche audience and catering what they do to that niche audience. And maybe that is exactly what they're doing with this NXT thing because that niche audience loved what they did this week with NXT. So maybe they are actually taking that advice and saying, okay, these are the people that really care about this stuff. Let's do what those people want to see so they will care about us instead of 
the other show on Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, like, that's probably not great news for AEW unless they're okay with just kind of splitting those Wednesday night viewers like 50-50, which seems like basically what they did this week. I mean, at 16, what is it, 1.6 million people watched on Wednesday night. And they were only separated by 9,000 viewers or something like that. So very close in the ratings. And I think maybe WWE has figured, all right, we have this brand in NXT. Let's try to do everything we can to just expose it to this hardcore fan as much as possible. I'm very curious what happens next week. If we get like another week of this, does NXT pull back ahead of AEW? Do you think there's a, a chance of that? The NXT ends up winning next Wednesday night. Um, I don't think so because AEW is coming off their full gear pay per view. So, so whatever happens in the main event, I'm not sure if you saw also, but well, you say you saw the Cody promo, so you did see it. So, I'm, I'm sure everybody wants to see the fall <laughs> from full gear. NXT's already advertising a ladder match. Um, I think it's Io Shirai and, R- and Rhea Ripley. I think it was for the Advantage in War Games next week. So, th- I, I still think AEW will win, but I do think it will be. Close. Close again. Yeah. So, all right. We you just brought up full gear. Is there anything? So, like, I feel like I in the last two weeks have fallen completely out of the loop. Obviously, we have the the world title match. Is there anything else? Like, before we get into the title match and all that, is there anything else on that show that you are invested in? Because uh, I personally am really, thinking about it, and I'm no, like, I don't even know what else there is. No, not I'm not really at all. Because we talked about me and you have talked because me and you have really been on the show mainly for the last few weeks by ourselves, and we've had this full up discussion about hey, how AEW. You know, granted, you have to give them a lot of slack because this is this is still all new. They only been TV on TV for a month. They have their, their first pay per view, so every week you're getting some you're you're seeing somebody new for the most part, but they're not really. You know, they're not really, like, building towards much. If they are, we don't really see it at this point in time because it's going to be dragged out over time. But, no, not really. It's like the title match I'm fully invested in. I think that will be an excellent match, but it won't be excellent because of the moves. It will be excellent because of the story. I do expect a ton of shenanigans from the inner circle and the elite from ringside. I do still believe MJF does eventually turn on Cody at all out. I mean, at the pay-per-view just don't know whether it's going to be during or after the match. Uh, the tag titles will be on the line, a triple threat match, SCU, Lucha Brothers and Private Party, who are my second favorite tag team behind <laughs> Profits right now. Um, <coughs> um, Rio was actually pinned this week, so I think she's defending the title against who pinned her. Uh, Britt Baker is wrestling, and I don't. Oh, um, Moxley and Omega. You know that's been that's been brewing. Mm-hmm. I do like Moxley's whole storyline of him against management because I think it actually really suits him a lot. But I, the only thing I'm actually invested in personally is the whole Kenny. I mean the Jericho and Cody match. Everything else, you know, the, the Kenny and Moxley thing, that was called off from the pay-per-view from last time because of Moxley's injury. I'm looking forward to that match, but my most, the biggest match I'm excited for is the world title match. So we might as well talk a little bit about that then. Obviously, Cody gives a promo where he says, 
if I don't beat Chris Jericho this week, I will never challenge for the AEW World Championship again. Do you think that alone gives MJF the motivation to turn on Cody now? Because now yes. it's like this is one guy that we never even yes. have to worry about being the. Ch- it just eliminates a top guy from World Championship contention ever again. Yeah, because going back to the all, um, was it, it was it was either all out or double or nothing, and I said that I can't wait for MJF to turn on Cody. And this will be the perfect time to actually turn on Cody because when he cut this promo, I thought when he told when he first said that, like this is so WWE of him to say. But I think that you could actually make this stipulation mean something. And it's wrestling, you know. You could you could give yourself a title shot again. You know what I'm saying? It's it's wrestling, so you could make it. You could make something up along the way. But I think this is the perfect spot for MJF to actually finally turn on Cody. Because of the importance of it. But like I said, there's going to be a ton of shenanigans with the inner circle and the elite at ringside. And it'll be a perfect spot for MJF. Uh, Yeah, outside of Cody making that specific announcement, I thought that his promo was great. It's like one of the things I appreciate about AEW is when I'm watching it, it feels like, like it feels like they're trying. It feels like they're putting out an effort it feels like they care about what they're doing in a way that it doesn't feel like on wwe like cody's cutting that promo and it's getting real legitimate reaction from the fans you're not hearing what chance you're not hearing cm punk chance you're not hearing like dumb stuff happening you're hearing people genuinely react to what he's saying you're seeing him feed off the crowd you're seeing him say things that seem like they're coming from his heart And, like, that level of energy you just rarely see in WWE. Then on the flip side, the vignette with Jericho and, like, the inner circle. So good. I mean, it it may be the the best thing I've seen in the last two months outside of, like, a Firefly Funhouse type thing. Because, so, the one with the idea of Sammy trying to get... Tell him what, like which champagne. Should we? Here's why this one, like th- this one, tastes better. This one's more expensive or whatever. And you kind of see all these different people talking about Jericho. The, the fact that he called Jericho in his prime, he's the youngest AEW champion in history. Like that so line good. alone so was good. great. So good. Um, seeing Virgil pop up. Soldier. The, the fact that Jake Hager. Every time they show him, he isn't saying, like, he just stands there the way he's been doing all this time. Almost like they're saying, we get it. Like, he's not this charismatic guy. Like, WWE gave him a microphone. They probably yeah. shouldn't have. That's the point. And I so said, I love we're going, that. Yeah, we're going to just have him stand here. We're really going to lean into the fact that this isn't his thing. Enjoyed it thoroughly. They have a, a really good ability to, like, do this stuff really well. I just hope we get to a point where they do a little bit more of it, where it's not just like one particular storyline that gets this level of treatment. I thought it was funny. I thought it was interesting. Um, I liked the intercutting between like the other people and Jericho, like seeing him training and all that stuff. I, I thought it was really good. And like you said, they- they've done a really good job of building this up. It feels like it means something. It feels like it's important. It feels like it's a big deal. 
And on one hand, there are a lot of people that are mad about it because they think Cody shouldn't be putting himself in a title match. So you have that aspect of people caring about it because they're upset about that. Then you have on the show them actually acknowledge that and then make that a part of the story. And then the fact that like Cody is a big part of the reason why AEW is even possible and then Chris Jericho being like the biggest name, the guy who probably legitimized it more than anyone. Like I don't I almost don't know if they could do anything bigger than this. Like do you see anything uh, a year from now they could do that is is a bigger deal than this? Than this match? Yes, with these two guys. Oh no, not with these two guys. No, not at all. Well, one more thing. I do from as a native New Yorker, I have to I have to give up to Santana for yeah. throwing in a dead throwing in a dead ass into the promo. I did enjoy that. I purposely didn't mention it because I knew that you would want to. <laughs> okay. But I yeah, like I just that. I think about the roster and it's like these two guys, what they each mean to this whole exper- experiment that is AEW. I don't know that there is anything bigger they can they can do than this match. No, not with those two, no. So is it almost like, do you think maybe they're doing it too soon or do you think they need to do this? Like the biggest thing they could do, do you think they need to do it right now? Um, I think it's the best right now because one, you got to, well, this isn't, isn't, this isn't their first pay-per-view, but for the, to put Cody in this match, I don't think it's a big deal at all. A lot of people, they, they've been, upset about it for the most part but at the same time i made the point about how the elite they have they they haven't really been putting themselves over for the most part for example the young bucks that they didn't advance far in the world tag tournament um coat hangman didn't end up winning the title from jericho even though jericho was the best person before cody's in the first title match and like you said the backlash that i received when it first got announced a month and a half or so ago everybody was calling cody hogan <laughs> so, like like he was going to win the match and I, and I I when we first started this segment I talked about how Cody's making that statement about him if he doesn't win the title then he'll never challenge for a title again I thought that was like real WWE of him but I think that they, he can actually lose this match due to outside interference and it'd be okay and at the same time it's wrestling you can get around it and make something up I honestly would kind of like it if, because like Tommy Dreamer has talked a lot about the House of Hardcore thing, like when we make a stipulation, we're not doing the typical wrestling thing, and eventually, like we don't have to acknowledge it anymore. Like if we say mm-hmm. this is for something, it's always going to be for that. I wouldn't mind it if they made it that Cody could never challenge for a world world championship again. I because oh, yeah, I think I, like that would be like a big deal if they oh, actually yeah. honored that, like for as long as they're around. Yeah. But it's too early for that. So, like I said, it's wrestling. You can get around it, you know. But I do like the idea of him actually losing and actually having to live up to that stipulation because that goes part that goes hand in hand with the thing of the elite not putting themselves over, and that's important. And that's important because this is basically essentially they're a huge part of this company, and everybody knows it, and everybody always harkens back to WCW uh, how how every, all, all the top guys were interested in was putting themselves over but these guys aren't doing that yeah I also think there's a lot of good story that could come out of Cody not being able 
to be the world champion because think about it like what would it be like to be an NBA team that when you start the season you know no matter what you do like you're not allowed to play in the NBA finals like anybody like at your job like in your life if the thing that you're after the most like the 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 pinnacle of whatever it is you do you know I'm not allowed to get there how can you stay motivated to do things how can you enjoy your work like it, it I think there's a lot of interesting character stuff they could do with Cody if he knows like I can never be the champion here like yeah I'm an executive I'm in a way I'm in charge but like this thing I can never have I think there's a lot of interesting stuff they could do who do you think wins that match Oh, uh, to, to, one more thing to follow up what you said about the emotion, because, you know, Cody, he wears basically his dad on his sleeve. And when you talked about you talked about storytelling just now, like just the, the emotions of how he that he will show by not being able to be a champion. You know, it kind of like make his father proud and stuff like that. So it, it could lead to a lot of stuff. Yeah. But as I said, I have MJF turning on Cody um, and. I really want to see Jericho win so we can get this storyline actually going of Cody, not not challenging for the title. Because I just think it's better television. It, it separates himself from WWE. Like I said, it's, just, it, it's TV. You can make something up and write something in to, to get rid of that stipulation at a few, a few months down the road. But I think that that stipulation should be validated. Me too. Now, I believe Jericho is going to retain it too. I don't think, like, I, don't, I I honestly believe that they are, one of their things is like that, that we listen. I think Cody even said that in the promo, like, we that we yeah. listen, like, we listen to you. I feel like they know that there is a big segment of their fan base, or at least a big segment of, like, res, like people who pay attention to wrestling, that don't think it's right that he's getting this title shot already and that don't like the idea of him winning it where I don't think that they want to actually go through with him being the champion. Um, so that's why I think Jericho holds on to it. And before we move on to some other stuff, like who, who do you see that might be like next for Jericho if he retains, like who do you think is next in line? Do you think it has to be somebody that can like, be a threat to the inner circle or do you think he just gets fed somebody to keep building the inner circle as like this unstoppable force? I would think it's the winner of Moxley and Omega. So you think they already would go down that road? Yeah. Do you think it has to be Moxley since like we already have the Jericho Omega stuff from new Japan and it's almost like you're repeating that for a lot of these people that are like the diehard fans or do you think that doesn't matter? Uh, for me personally, it doesn't matter, but, but I think they would probably go Moxley or maybe who knows? It might just be both of them in triple threat for the most part. You, you could do that as well. But I think one of those guys is next in line because at the same time, they haven't really developed anybody. Hangman's hangman's been in the main event for the mo- in tag matches and stuff. But I think it's one of those two guys that'll be the next in line for Jericho. Yeah, I'd rather see it be Moxley. One, now I know I might be this might be hypocritical because I just said we already have the history of 
very recently Omega and Jericho having their feud in New Japan. But we also had the Jericho-Dean Ambrose feud in WWE. But I think it would be interesting to see them get to do something outside of WWE supervision. Yeah, because like, Mox, Mox, Mox is not Ambrose, and it's, it's two completely different characters. Like, I told you last week, I hate Dean Ambrose, as you know, yeah. but I love John Moxley. <laughs> and unscripted television, like, even when Cody called Jericho a dick, I was like, oh, well, you never hear that on yeah. on network television. So that shocked me. And the, the things Jericho says, like, oh, really, they're actually letting this stuff fly. So seeing Jericho and Moxley go head-to-head in AEW, I'm all for that. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I hope this pay-per-view does well. I I mean, I know they're going to put on a good show, and I know the people who watch are likely to enjoy it. Um, And I'll be very curious to see, as we build towards Survivor Series and we get a little bit more NXT main roster stuff, and then AEW coming out of a pay-per-view, I'm very curious to see where viewership falls next Wednesday. Um... So now I guess main roster. How much main roster did you watch this week? Uh, I just watched the NXT stuff. I, I skimmed through Raw for the most part because uh, I said, I'm not. I, I have no interest in seeing Bob and Rusev and Lana. So that gets that gets no love from me. Um, I caught some NXT stuff. I saw. Um, Shayna Baszler with um, Dakota Kai. Uh, I didn't see, and I didn't end up seeing the uh, the six man main event, but I did. I did watch the entirety of SmackDown, which I thought was fantastic. So, outside of the NXT stuff, is there anything that you are interested in that you care about that you're invested? No, no, because brother, he's apparently he's on Raw. Him and Bray end up switching shows, and Brock's gonna end up defending the title against Rey Mysterio at the Survivor Series. Wow. Yeah, so so Brock isn't facing any NXT talent. What? I mean, I don't know. Who is getting excited to watch Rey Mysterio against Brock Lesnar in 2019? I mean, I know it has not, to do with Kane Velasquez, I'm sure, but I, like, I don't know how they think that that is uh, interesting or entertaining for anybody. But they have been enamored with anything Brock Lesnar does for years when everybody else stopped caring. I just wish they could do something that would make me care or make me feel like ah, I should have watched or I should watch next week. And they, they haven't done anything. I, I don't even, other than the fiend winning the title at crown jewel, I have no idea what else happened on that show. Like, not a clue. I don't know. I don't even know what the matches were. I don't know who won any of the matches. I know there was some issue with people not getting back to the United States on time. I don't even know what that was about. I saw that Seth Rollins had given some kind of speech, and then uh, Wrestling Observer, like, recanted or said that it didn't really happen. I don't even know. It's just like some weird stuff happened with them leaving Saudi Arabia. Yeah, it was funny (laughs) because. Everybody was saying all this negative stuff happened, but then they, but then they extend their partnership to like twenty twenty nine or something like that. <coughs> so, WWE just doubling down, yeah. on that relationship. I'll tell you that won't ma- that won't help me get any more invested in WWE. 
Firefly Funhouse, did you watch that? No, because that was actually on the WWE Backstage show. Oh, okay. So that wasn't on Raw or SmackDown. No. So there wasn't, like, a lot to it. It just was kind of Bray showing that they have the title now. Still no real idea of what the Funhouse is. Still no real idea of what Bray's actual relationship to The Fiend is. And I have to guess that some of like what my theories were on like Seth Rollins becoming like Bray and The Fiend is probably not a thing that's going to happen. No. So it's like, okay, I, I don't know where they went with this. There, there's one thing that I think I would like out of this. I would like if the only time we see the title is when we see Bray and not The Fiend. I know that won't happen because they're not going to have their belt not show up with the guy who's the champion. But I like the idea that like The Fiend doesn't care, but Bray does. And I, I think that would be an interesting way to go. I don't really know what else to even say about it other than do you think at some point we need to see Bray outside of the funhouse? And do you think we ever will? Uh, I don't think we will. I think you'll see The Fiend outside of the funhouse because this this is the thing. Now, since the virus series is going around as champion versus champion, brand versus brand, I don't mind, and mainly, I wouldn't mind if we don't see Bray or, or the Fiend at all. Like we complain about not seeing Brock Lesnar, or or he won't actually be on yeah. TV or in the ring for the most part. Bray, as long as you're like a funhouse or something, I think the idea of like Bray, like <clears throat> lurking, like overshadow, like shadowing Raw. I mean, shadowing SmackDown, like with that whole Red Cloud thing, like just like over, just looking down on. What's going on is on SmackDown and like in the Funhouse, or he'll just pop up like he does now when he is the Fiend. He's just kind of like lurking on SmackDown. I think that's actually really good because like you don't have like he's the type of character where you don't really have to see him much. Just with those Funhouse segments and when he end up ends up appearing. So if he ever, if he's ever not on on the show for show for a week or so, I wouldn't mind it because I know that he's still like casting over the entire show. I would love to be able to fast forward like six months to see like what have they done with Bray and the Fiend and the Funhouse. Like I hope that it's still entertaining. I hope that it's still meaningful. I hope they figure out what they want it to be and where they want to go with it. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I have like nothing else really to to add wrestling wise so is there anything else you feel needs to be like talked about or discussed or anything you want to run by me in the world of wrestling um no not at all we hit we hit everything for the most part at AEW full gear um on on saturday night there's not much out there to talk about about it uh we hit dags invasion was the big deal about this week in to- on all three shows, like I said, if you if you get some time, I highly recommend watching Brian versus Cole. That that's definitely a match of the year candidate because that match was fantastic. I I really wanted Brian to win that the NFC <laughs> title on SmackDown. Like I was into, I really thought he was going to win. And it's not all the time where you think that in WWE anymore, especially on on the main WWE shows. But no, not at all. Uh, I watched. I did watch Total Divas. I did. Uh, 
I think you would get more of a kick out of kick out of it out of me this week. It was it was a little um a little bit flat this week. Uh, Natty, Sonia, and uh, so they went to Nat- Rhonda's, right? Because Rhonda invited everybody, right? Yeah, uh, Roddy Strong and Marina Shafir, they were there as well with with their son and Travis. Travis uh, Federline was there mm-hmm. as well, <laughs> and. Uh, Carmella, uh, as you saw in the commercial, she ditched them to hang with Corey Graves. Yes, and uh, Naya was a she was in uh, California with the Bells for the Birdie B Fashion Show, and she caught a lot of character character development from Naya. She basically came clean about how she's been feeling like she has like no ACL in her knees anymore because they're because they're shot, and she's like depressed. And stuff, and she's and the bells helped her realize that maybe that's why she's been lashing on everybody, including Carmella. So the bells recommended that she does a nice gesture for Carmella and some of the other women to say it's nothing personal. I'm just going through something. <clears throat> this is why uh, they're in the top five of the decade. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, uh, Natty is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> so so Rhonda, they have this dog, and Natty's not a dog person for the most part. Right. So there's a there's a scene in the show where uh, Natty wants the dog to like her, so like she rubs peanut butter on her chest and like between <laughs> her legs while they sit at the dinner table, and the dog comes around and she's like, Natty, what's that on your chest? And it's peanut butter like smeared on her chest in between her tits. <laughs> <laughs> Completely ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, uh, Carmella once again. She loves that man. There's nothing you can't say. Yeah. She loves her Corey Graves, and he, like you said, he's like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I she, love she's it. So, like that, she's so amped up, and that he, he uh, you almost feel like every time they're around each other, his response is just like, oh, just like rolling his eyes. <laughs> hey, what am I doing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and then she finally comes clean about because she was lying the entire time. First, she said that um, she missed a flight; she's gonna fly out tomorrow, but she didn't fly out the next day. So Corey says, "Well, if you lie to them, what makes you think that you won't lie to me?" So that frustrates her. So she's like, "Yo, I'm gonna call the call the girls." She called the girls and says, "Hey guys, I'm just you know, I'm with Corey. He had some time off, so I'm spending with Corey, and they were totally cool with it. They don't react at all." Rhonda, Rhonda has a thing for Corey Graves. No, um, really? <laughs> yeah, she does. Really? She's, Did she say that? Yeah, she. Yeah, she's like, you want to spend time with your hot, sexy new boyfriend? Please, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I don't know if you remember this or not, but my little sister—I think this was two years ago—asked yes, us a remember. question: Who is the dreamiest male WWE superstar? And my selection was Corey Graves once again. I was years ahead of the curve. Now everybody has caught up and realizes <laughs> how dreamy Corey Graves is. <laughs> He's my my our truth. Yeah, and that was so, <laughs> yes, and, and, and that was total divas for the week. I'm very upset he cut his hair because he still had hair in the show. Yeah, but and that was total divas, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I'll definitely watch it uh, sometime over the weekend, and then I'll, I'll be caught up by the time we record next week and i look forward to, to us both being able to review total divas because i know we only have a few more episodes left for the season um so yeah i hope everyone out there 
enjoyed the NXT invasion angle as much as it seems like you did. I hope you guys are more excited than I am. I hope you guys feel like you're getting something worth watching and worth investing your time in. I just personally don't feel like it's worth me investing my time in. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually probably a little more open than I have been. I'm not planning to go out of my way to watch anything, but, like, there's part of me that wants, like, to get hooked. And I just need something to, like, throw the hook out there and catch me. And nobody has really done it yet. Uh, so, Alo, anything you want to say before we close it out? Um, nope. Just uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Matt Madness Podcast. And for your Matt Madness gear, you can head over to whatamaneuver.net. All right. So for Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. The ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery Jr. And we will see you next week. Got him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the band, y'all don't understand. This is Superman, it's a summer slam. Here we go again, fans mocking man. Man, I hate my balls, shut the Vince McMahon. It ain't shake the land, off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to tell. Talking madness, awesome well. What I'm cooking, man, y'all are.